Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When I look back to using psychedelics so much and having the music come from those places, very much inspired by a lot of those journeys that I went on, putting them into the music, finding indigenous ceremonies and sort of dropping into my cultural um, practitioner traditions and finding those things to be also extremely potent. When I'm singing those pieces of those songs, I'm marveling at, in different iterations of life, the the song can have it's not the song that's changed uh, it's you that's changed and you've adapted and transformed and we're in a real tornado of confusion and the search for your soul is it's a fucking mess welcome to the inspired evolution I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid, subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Hey there, Inspired Tribe. This episode has been six years in the making. I'm going to let you let the cat out of the bag. When I first started this podcast, Nako was one of my dream guests to get onto this podcast. Dear old Nako Bear. In recent times, there's been a lot that's gone on with Nako in the public sphere. And if you guys want to tune into all that sort of stuff that's been going on with him publicly, you can go check out a podcast that he did over on a YouTube channel with... Frank Alaridi, and that addresses all the recent stuff that's been going on with Narco. For me personally, the music has been a massive wellspring of inspiration through the journey of my life. And uh, yeah, so we dive deep into talking about the origin stories of the, some of his greatest songs, Wash It Away, 
um, Love Letters to God, Dear Brother, uh, Dark as Night, all these incredible songs that he's written. What was the spiritual influence behind uh, those songs, where he was at in his life when he wrote those songs? Who were the influences in his life at those times? And yeah, like we cover a lot of ground in this podcast going through the different stages, the chronology of the songs, where he was at. And then also, you know, what he's learned from, you know, his art has enabled him to intersect and meet all these incredible Indigenous elders around the world and what he's learned through his journey from having, you know, dive so deep into all these different Indigenous cultures and what are some of the universal lessons, what are some of the profound lessons. So this is a really beautiful conversation about art, about spirit. Also, at the time of this recording, only 94% of you that are actually returning to watch a second or a third or a fourth video here on the Inspired Evolution podcast are actually subscribed. I can't tell you how much it genuinely helps everything we're trying to achieve with promoting positivity in the world through your subscription. Every time you hit subscribe, it helps us grow the platform. It lets guests that want to come onto the show know that you know it is worth their time to take the time out to carve out a conversation like the ones that you're enjoying here on the Inspired Evolution podcast. My personal commitment to you is as the show grows, you know, more and more quality, more and more conversations, richer and richer things will flow around here. That is my absolute commitment to you. To be completely transparent, as we grow and when we finally get to that 100,000 subscriber mark, currently we do two episodes a week. I'm looking forward to getting us to about three episodes a week so we can really keep the juju going and flowing at an even greater level. And all of that is enabled by you taking the time to hit subscribe, hit that bell notification. So if you can... Please take a moment, take a moment, come on, take one sec, quick sec, <laughs> hit subscribe and hit that bell notification icon. It helps so much more than I can say. Thank you so much. Yo! Welcome back to the Inspired Evolution. And we have with us today, Inspiring Our Evolution, Narco Bear. How are you there, brother? Yeah, good, mate. Cheers, good day. <laughs> Happy to be here. It's really good to have you here, mate. Welcome. <laughs> for those that don't know narco um well you might know him or you probably don't know him as joel miguel narco s Pereno. also goes by the name of david bell at some point he was born to a certain name raised under a different name and widely adopted accepted by us tribe community as narco brother it is such a pleasure to have you here mm, pleasure to be here thanks for having me it's oh. narcoise and I knew I was going to get corrected on this and, film. Oh, you're really close. You're really close. And uh, nowadays, um, when David's around, oh, mm. Davo, uh, <laughs> you know, Davo, you know, <laughs> you know, things are getting handled. Uh, the the back end things, the administrative things, the tech things. You know, David's here. Oh, shit's getting taken care of. If not goes around. It's more of the uh, artist. You never know what he's going to be doing. Where is he? If he's going to answer the phone. Um, he's the fun guy too. He's a fun guy. Anyway, yeah, nice to be here. It's interesting. Uh, this, um, yeah, the the piece around identity is a huge conversation, and I think your music has a lot as well. For those that don't know, Nako's singer, songwriter, musician, known as the founder, lead singer, um, Nako in Medicine for the People. Music's tried to be defined as hip hop. It's tried to be defined as rock. It's tried to be defined as folk. I don't think there's either of those, any of those, really do it justice. Um, what I feel personally is that at the heart of every song, there is a deep spiritual truth. 
um, and it is timeless wisdom in every single song that I come across. So, yeah. Um, and if I can say so, this particular episode, for those that believe in the good things, come in, come in, come in. <laughs> it's been six years in the making. Um, yeah. And so the piece about identity, um, I think we could start there. Um, I don't want to bleed your origin story to death, if I'm honest with you, brother. I, there's plenty of interviews that have done that online. I think it is important. Um, but, yeah, just identity. Like growing up, you've had four different parents, uh, three different cultures. Um, yeah, just what does – how do you – you know, even the way you just described that, like there's David can show up, Narco can show up, <laughs> stuff going on. Um yeah, how do you? Because I grew up Indian in in an Australian culture. There's definitely I feel those two sides to me. My sister-in-law jokes. It's like you know when I'm speaking my mother tongue, she's like, "You're a different person." Um, I'm like, "Yeah, I think differently in different languages." Um, the identity piece. I just love to get your insights and thoughts on, yeah, how what identity I'm means being, to you. I I'm guess. being I'm being a shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Well, it's definitely taken a lot of practice. Um, I, I reckon with that practice came suffering and with most things that you become good at, you have to, uh, yeah, practice it over and over again, how to, um, how to exist in many worlds and wear many different hats and, uh, proudly and boldly and, uh, um, unabashedly, you know, wear your skin and wear your um, energy and your um, attitude, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, growing up in a, a white family in a white town and, uh, you know, um, uh, leaving at a, as a teenager and kind of going off into the world and uh, finding new ways of thinking and new ways of uh, maneuvering through the fucking matrix out there, like as a young person, and um, and finding uh, yeah, finding my tribe everywhere I go, I suppose, everywhere I went, and um, uh, I guess true to I suppose how a lot of other people that I look to uh, in, men in mentorship, like I see the similarities of uh, as you get older, you shed more of that, um, especially when you come from multicultural backgrounds and uh, you, you find your identity uh, coming back to just a really pure human, you know, aspect, true human form. Um, and uh, maybe not needing as many of the bells and whistles, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a trip, you know, but you're not, I, as I found over the years, you know, it's not, it's not a very, you're not alone in it, you know, like there's millions of people in the world who uh, grow up in what are now called alternative family structures and, uh, and ha everybody's got their, um, their struggle to find peace in the skin that you're in and the communities that you live in and the families that you're from and the families that raised you. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a journey for sure, much like everything is in life, but, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's an important one in terms of identity, uh, to, to, to have 
good mentorship and uh, and solid uh, uh, people to look to for advice and for wisdom and to mirror and help you feel like you're not alone in that. Yeah, there's a real um, yeah, because I feel there's a real beauty in growing up with one culture and you know being embedded in another and you know because there's so many different colors to paint with, I guess. But then also, you know, there's you know, sometimes those values clash, you know, and then you're kind of trying to, like, paint in opposite directions with, like, different colours and it's like, fuck, this is not working. And then, like, you know, that actually transpires and, like, some real dark stuff internally. Yeah, like, you know, I struggled with six years of depression with, like, and now I look back and it's just values just trying to reconcile shit that really couldn't be internally reconciled and that was hard. Um, but I could get you to speak to that and how you navigate it and I would love to hear more about, you know, how you found your hallowed ground of, despite all the constellations of all the different identity pieces, you know, this was centered around Narco and maybe Narco's all of them and maybe he's none of them. But, um, or David's all of them and David's none of them. But the the key thing I also wanted to query in was just your reflection because the music's loved worldwide, yeah? And you, I don't want to say you're carrying a lot because then I'm projecting heaps on you as well, but the music does carry it and hold a lot of space for a lot of people through a lot of their challenges in and around the identity piece. Um, yeah, you know, just reflecting on how much your identity is a soup. Sorry if I can say that. I'm, I can try not to project on you and I fucking am. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> soup. <laughs> I love projection soup. <laughs> um, but, you know, your identity is something that is so such a constellation in particular when it comes to Marco, David, you know, whoever we're speaking to. And in there, like, what that enables you to then pick apart and look inwardly and then, you know, try and – and that enables the music and the art to come from that place, surely. Um, what do you think that says to the current state of affair in the world and just the collective identity crisis and meaning crisis and identity that you – is that something you've – feel is happening out there or is that just me uh um yeah i mean i'm trying to tie together your sentence there in terms of the identity of the soul the person and and then the the world and what the world is going through are you talking about the world's identity to the human race and what we're here for or not here for? I think more so collectively the challenges that we face in trying to be our truest selves and find ourselves through the journey when there's so many of us tuning into your music and I think that highlights that we're all having a challenge around identity collectively despite me being in Australia, someone else being in Hawaii, someone else being in Alaska. Yeah, I think it's highly reflective of uh, the multi- the very complex uh, existence that we're in, the very complex world that we live in between our relationship and identity towards um, Mother Earth and the complexities uh, within our relationships to um, our our food sources, these conglomerate co- you know, companies uh, that we struggle to figure out how to keep in check and uh, the struggle that we have uh, to come to an agreement around how to live in a world where we have, you know, 
billions of people who all live very differently than the rest of the other people and that there is not a single way there's not a single path forward for everybody um in a world where we struggle to uh feel like we have an identity and a and a, a voice within the politics of our governments a world where we feel separated and uh yet so close to each other through social media a world where we feel like um uh you know the the opinions and our uh our um, struggle and fight for justice has become so black and white uh in this in this world where there's no seemingly no space for nuance or for complexities that exist within those nuances um and you're either the enemy or you're the the righteous savior in this massive hero complex of the that that the world is going through uh this massive identity crisis around what is actually true and um what is actually real and what is actually problematic and what is actually um uh uh yeah what is what what is <laughs> we're 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 in a real uh tornado uh of of confusion and the um the 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 search for your soul is sort of like mixed in with all those things from like i said like from our uh from our economics to our uh environment to our environmental to our government, to our uh, local communities, you know, it's like, it's a fucking mess. So, uh, you know, the internet and social media has vastly, uh, you know, uh, transformed the landscape of how we, um, how we identify um, and the age of information and disinformation has, uh, again, vastly excavated, you know, uh, what once was what seemed to be connection has become so disconnected that we've um we're so far from uh i think where we wanted to be going as a society but but i suppose every generation feels that way you know and so what is this like what you know what is what are we actually moving towards and what are we actually leaving behind um i true to my query nature uh you ask a question and I kind of return it with like a bigger, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, that. man. We're just trying to enjoy the ride, I guess. You know, like. <laughs> but it still opens up the next portal quite, segues in like lovely. Um, you know, and I, I do reflect on your your point about the, um, yeah, about each generation has its struggles. Like there's just this real, I remember reading this real basic comic and it was just this guy complaining about, you know, how children these days just have their heads buried in their lap. Um, and then it was actually like written like a hundred years ago. And it's about people reading books on the train rather than scrolling devices. <laughs> you know, it's like the like, art of conversation has gone. And it was, you know, before it was books, now it's phones. And, you know, the, the challenges continue to arise generation after generation. Uh, the question I wanted to take on is because, you know, you've you've expanded the conversation out to, just the how interconnected all of the challenges potentially can or potentially well they are and from there 
there's a massive activist in your heart. Music. When when did when was like this first moment in time? Because it's called narco and medicine for you know uh, the medicine is espoused as music. When did you first realize that medicine was music? Like when did that sort of pairing happen? Because you've got music in your history for ages. The piano's been there as a as a friend. But when did you first realize that oh musical medicine like medicine music and this actually has the capacity to not just raise awareness, but heal. Like, or am I stretching too far? Music doesn't heal. Maybe I've made an assumption in there already. Can you unpack that for us? No, no I don't think you've uh, made an assumption there. I think you're on point. Uh, from in my experience with the name of the band, uh, it and the name of the music, right? Like the what it is, as you've as you suggested, it's uh, it wasn't like there was a one moment thing. You know, uh, we were sitting around a fire on Big Island, Hawaii, years and years and years ago. And a friend of mine, this is back when like MacBooks just came out, you know, and the garage band was like, oh, shit. Like all musicians were like, dude, what? Oh, my God. Uh, aspiring musicians. And we were sitting around a campfire with the someone's new like MacBook and we were trying out how to record with the with the new tools the garage band and whatnot and we were recording a song in fact i think it was my song be here now and the friend of mine did like a dj like you know tag intro and he's like yo this is medicine for the people and I remember listening to that because then I burned it onto a CD, of course, because that's back when you know you had CD burners in your computer. And I remember there was the only CD I had for months and months, maybe even a year or so. And I would go back to my landscaping job and my uh, uh, construction job and like listen to that over and over again. And every time I listened to it, I was like, "That's dope. I like hearing that medicine for the people." I was like, that's what it feels like for sure. And then it's sort of like, it wasn't like a specific decision I made to be like, oh, it's going to be called Medicine for the People. I might have just been like Medicine for the People presents NACO and Friends or whatever. And then it was like that that name kept getting tossed around as an idea. And the more that I used it, the more that I was like, yeah, this is what we're doing because we were getting... You know, I mean, at that point, it was like pretty, everything was pretty local, you know, like there wasn't much of a social media presence. Maybe I had a MySpace account, you know, uh, that was about it, right? And um, this is before really I even started loading things into YouTube. So the, just the community's like feeling around it, things people would say, you know, uh, and people would ask like, what's your thing called, you know? And so then I just sort of gradually and naturally started saying, oh, it's medicine for the people, yeah. And uh, and it just sort of felt natural to start calling it that um, because of all those things, like people, things that folks were sharing with me. Um, and at that stage, it wasn't that much. It was sort of just around the town and stuff like that. And, and then um, it was just how I felt saying it, you know, it felt real, it felt raw, it felt true. Um, and then over time, you know, as the band grew and as we adopted actual members into the group, 
um, it became like we grew into the name, you know, and the more that we would use the name and the more that we traveled across the country at that point, just the U.S., um, it became it became a thing, you know, and it stuck. And like you grow into your name, you know, much, much like that identity of like, what is this package? You know, how do we how do we brand this as well? in a sense, of course. So, yeah, that's kind of... Is it a bit of a trip for you? Um, would, have you reflected on this? Like, the the global relationship with plant medicine started really... Because podcasts started sharing a lot more about, you know, plant medicines and you know, this conversation around medicine and, you know, in the medicine... Oh, yeah, it's changed medicine so much. and music was, you know, this there's a holy matrimony between the two touch wood. Um, and then, you know, there was also yourself, dark Wine medicine for the people and the music. Uh, there's so much uh, correlation between those two spaces. Like, you know, just feeling into Hoka. It's my favorite album, bro. Like literally oh, yeah. all time. It's my favorite album. And you can hear the, you can, you can almost hear the water drum from the TP playing along in the background if you tune in real deep, right? Um, and so feeling into that, like, yeah, just did you ever, have you stopped to reflect on just the divine timing of it all? <laughs> like, oh, Narco, medicine for the music. And the music it's that pretty I'm wild, playing. man. Is yeah, it? I mean, it's, <laughs> like, sorry, it's I just, just it's, no, no, it's, it's like uh, one of those very auspicious universal alignments that you can't write that shit, right? Like, it's not like, It'd be way different if I was trying to come up right now, you know, and be like, business plan. Yeah, fucking <laughs> dude. You know, like, it's like the normalization of psychedelics and, and then the normalization of using psychedelics in healing and in therapy and um, the normalization and also the, uh, the capitalization of, of, of the, of, of much like anything that becomes, you know, uh, uh, widely accepted, um, you know, you get the mass production of these things and uh, the, the virus of capital, capitalism becomes sort of, you know, uh, the commodification of something that's uh, not meant to be quantified. But um, that's a whole other different thing. But I would say that um it yeah pretty wild when i look back at you know those many years i spent leave after leaving home at 17 and using psychedelics uh quite frequently back then um and recreationally not not in like a ceremony space like i kind of just when i look back on it and when i look at like the recreational use that i uh many many times out of the year put myself into what i was like creating my own version of ceremony you know um and without you know any and i you know i I don't recommend this to people and to children to kids to fucking anybody young people who are just like hear the stories on tiktok and shit and like they want to just like find some mushrooms and trip balls like it is uh it takes a very whatever somehow i survived that shit you know what I mean? Like I put myself in some fucking dangerous situations for sure. Uh, 
uh, in the, in the wilderness, you know, with fucking wild, dangerous animals and, uh, in the wilderness in dangerous locations, uh, in, you know, mass, uh, you know, public places as well that could have turned sour. But, uh, you know, I can thank my angels for. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Protecting me through those experiences. And, uh, um, but, uh, you know, very reckless for many years, for sure. You know, reckless use of, of psychedelics. And, and, uh, and yet, as much as I, you know, would say to young people or to anybody at any age, like, you know, you should have somebody there with you that knows what they're doing, um, or at least somebody that's sober around. If you're going to be doing psychedelics outside of like, um, you know, a contained space, uh, and, and there's some structure to it. Um, I don't look back on my experience in it at all and regret it at all. You know, it was fucking awesome. And it made me who I am today. And, um, not to say as I've gotten older that I would be like, Oh, you should maybe tone it down. Fuck no fucking ride the wave, man. You know? Uh, that's what life's about. Um, but uh, in terms of, yeah, when I look back to just being like a young person and um, and <clears throat> using psychedelics so, so much and having the music come from those places, uh, not strictly and solely, but, you know, very much inspired by a lot of those journeys that I went on and the revelations and things that were revealed to me in those experiences. Um, and then, yeah, putting them into the music, um, and then finding, you know, uh, indigenous ceremonies and things like this and sort of dropping into my cultural um, practitioner traditions and finding those things to be also extremely important to be putting into the music as well and directing towards those things. Like, um, I think I really, uh, arrived at the, I mean, it all arrived at the same time. It was sort of written in that way, right? It is written. And it was sort of meant to be like that. But uh, it's wild to me how many times, you know, I hear like just, yo, I found your song when I was in ceremony. And, you know, uh, how much, how cool, I mean, it's fucking cool. You know, I, I, I never set out to do that. So I think that's the coolest part about it is that it was never something that I was trying to do. And those are the and and those are the fun things in life, right? Those are the things that you really have gratitude for, the things that uh, that aren't forced, the things that end up being, you know, very natural gifts for your uh, uh, for for other people's evolution. 
you know. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't ever try to like inauthentically brand my shit and be like, and now come get knocker, listen to him while you're tripping balls. It'll be delicious. <laughs> you know, yes, in Collector Five, it'll be we take Mastercard, Visa, and 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 when you buy my product, you will ascend to your most higher self, and you'll become one with all your chakras, and it'll be fine. It'll be lovely. Bitcoin not accepted here. <laughs> yeah, literally English. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, bring me into your music's been. Oh, well, like I said in the intro, it's, you know, every song, spiritual current to it, and looks at it from a different lens as well, and timeless wisdom in each and every song. Thanks, bro. You've been on quite a spiritual journey yourself through life. There was a moment in Alaska where. Bring me into that moment with you and where your relationship with God changed when this moose almost took your life, bro. <laughs> I want to yeah. be Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Touch I don't know if that's really like meeting Did God. You? I feel like that's <laughs> no, no. I feel like that was like seeing your life flash before your eyes. You know, you're like, wow, that's mm. about to go down. I'm about to die. Uh, Damn it! So you don't meet God before you die? Interesting. That's already interesting to me. No, I think that. Did I say that one time before? Is that what I said? No, keep going. <laughs> Just do oh, okay. what happened. Bring me to the moment. Bro. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Godhead is like clever enough to be like, "Yo, if you're about to die, like I'm not gonna reveal myself to you, dog. Like you gotta actually fucking die, bro." <laughs> Like, right before you die, like, they, you know, it's like you see, like, your life flash before your eyes or your unfinished biz or whatever it is, like, or, you know, um, these things, people that have had uh, uh, NDEs, like, um, near-death experiences say that they, you know, when they do die, they, they've they had these, like, you know, they've been taken, their spirits taken, taken away and then, like, get smacked back into your body, like, pretty wild, but, um, that didn't happen to me when I met the when I met Margaret the Moose. I think her name was Margaret. Call her Mar Margot. Uh, you know, I was just uh, you know I was in her space. Yeah, you know they say that you're not supposed to that the bears are more dangerous than the moose are. You know because they'll they get really territorial and bears are kind of more like you know if you're around their young. You know, if mom's like, yo, get the fuck away, like, you know, this is our, like, radius and our space here. Uh, but moose, you know, they're just way more moody. The moody moose of Margaret the Moody Moose, you know. Um, you know, I just got too close. And I think she probably knew I was tripping, too, because, you know, they're on the they're on the trippy level. Uh, and she was like, this fucking kid is, like, getting way too close to me. And she did the thing that I think any young moody moose would do which is just sort of you know scare me yeah try to act like she was gonna run me over and and i peed my pants and i you know learned my lesson i was like wow i'm just gonna stay out of your guys' little zone i mean this is again you know you gotta in context it's like that was david by the way uh david was um so new to nature 
and new to psychedelics and was only perhaps, you know, six months uh, fresh off the boat from leaving suburban life. So it was one of those like classic, yeah, earn your stripes moment, you know. You've traveled far and wide, bro. You've played in some pretty remarkable places. Um, I'm sure many of them don't get to see the light of day online. Um, there's one fond piece that I, you know, there's many fond pieces. You playing Wash It Away in the gondola changed my life. But, hey, I'm a total fanboy. Um, in the Red Rocks, Dear Brother. <laughs> Bring me into that moment, bro. <laughs> like... Tell me wow. about which year? Playing. Uh, well, I've, uh, the one that's online. I oh fuck, I don't know which. I don't know the year. I think that's twenty nineteen. You playing, dear brother, at Red Rocks. Man, the cultural climate at the time for where you know black and white and police relations with public and. Whew, tell me a little bit about yeah, just. I think a few things. Yeah, I start like courage as well, like to be able to stand behind a message fully in your body when you know that it can be so provocative. I know there's a Taurus in somewhere rising, um, but yeah, tell me more about just yeah, just bring me into that moment and tell me more about. Yeah, Taurus is the is my it's my north node, and I guess that's where you're supposed to be heading in life. So that's kind of like my end game. But uh, um, I was gonna say, oh, I mean, you know. I started writing that song just after Ferguson happened, which was, you know, a continuation um, of just the unrest in America and the unrest and the un- the distrust of authority, specifically, of course, with police and their relationship or non-relationship with black and brown people. And the, um, and I guess as well, just like the, um, the consistent, uh, non-punishment of, uh, and the protection of people that wear badges, um, you know, and essentially when we go back in history and look at the purpose and the, and the, and the creation of the police force, it was to protect slave owners and to, make sure that their slaves when they ran away that they were brought back so you know you take this idea of you know where it comes from as to what it's become today you know these social uh, servants and i'm a pretty big picture person so like i understand there's so much nuance nowadays um obviously uh the police do a lot of great work in our communities they do a lot of protection work and community services as well when we're looking at the economics, like, you know, police are oftentimes given jobs that are uh, are um, uh, social services jobs um, because there's not enough staffing for these particular social services jobs. Right. So they're making the um, they're making the uh, house calls for anything from, you know, uh, a social service job, a welfare job, a child services job. You know, these kinds of things are all kind of fitting into a big role. And so they're strapped for energy and, you know, it's a big, it's a, it's a large role to play and it's different in each community. It's different in each city. It's different in each little town. Um, and it's hard to shake, you know, 
the overall fear of um, of the police because of the history there. So when I wrote that song, I was thinking about an, an actual brother of mine who was sort of uh, going through a hard time. And um, in the same vein as my song, Love Letters to God, it was sort of the same kind of cadence delivery where I'd figured out how to write to the cadence of the melody line. Um, and, you know, you've got all these thoughts about, oh, how can I, how, how do I like put such a big thing into a small little song, you know? And how do you, and how do you deliver like, you know, the talking points alongside the overall uh, where you want to arrive at. The where you want to arrive at, of course, is the chorus. It's like you got to put down the weight. You got to get out of your way. That's sort of like the big picture Aquarius, like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, here's what we should be doing, you know. Um, and then there's like a bit of the resentment in there, the anger, the frustration, the unfairness, the inequality, you know, the racial aspect, um, the uh, very human reactive, knee-jerk reactive way to respond to violence with more violence. Um, and then uh, it was, yeah, it was such a, such a, um, a wild experience to put it out right then, you know, and then to have it drop you know, right after George Floyd, you know, was killed, um, the album dropping with that, like the song had been around for a number of years at that point, you know, before the album actually dropped, but, uh, to have the actual song drop with the album, you know, the same month, uh, or, or I guess it was a couple months before George Floyd was killed. Um, but, you know, obviously so many different, like, uh, 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 national and international newsworthy murders that were at the hands of the police that, you know, took place over the years as that song was out already. It was such a, you know, when you have something like whether it's like a great recipe and you know, somebody's going to enjoy what you've made or you have a great travel destination and you're like, no, you're going to love this place. Or you have a great, um, you know, you've got a great uh, masseuse and you recommend that you're this person's going to knock you out, bro. Whatever it is, right? Like when I get in stage, when I get on stage and I play that song, that was the energy that around it. It was like, uh, I believed so strongly what I was saying that, um, and I loved the way that it, I, I was delivering it because of the makeup of the song and the way like in the musical nerd terms, like it's just the cadence of the melody lines and yeah, can the, you explain the rise on what and the actually means? Can you explain on what that means? Yeah, the cadence of the melody line, because I'm not a musical nerd. Being able to, like when you're in, I love syllables. So, and I love words. And so when you find the right words to fit within the syllable that overall yeah, fit within the narrative. Even Nicole back, your mother. Right. And then like, you know, then things start picking up, you know, the words start picking up a little faster and then we break it down and, you know, go a little slower. It's like accentuating the important parts. You know, um, there's just like an ebb and flow 
to the delivery of it. And that's just uh, really t- it, like the for an artist, for somebody um, singing, performing it, there's just a real satisfaction that you get out of like delivering something like that because of just how it's all sort of like built into this world. Um, so fun, so fun. Um, but yeah, performing it, uh, 2019 Red Rocks was like a culmination of just a lot of work. It was a full moon. It was, uh, it was, um, it was gay pride. It was uh, father's day. Um, and it was our first time selling out Red Rocks co-headlining with Trevor Hall. And there was just so many people there, so much family, so many important people in my life were there. Um, and we really felt like we were a band. We'd spent years, you know, putting together our group and practicing, rehearsing, performing. And like, it just felt like we were really putting on, you know, our best performance to date. And, uh, and that was really special. And it was before the album dropped and everything. And, you know, it was quite the, quite the moment for sure. It felt really liberating. Thanks for sharing that with me. I learned something there and then some, uh, segueing, you mentioned um, similar to um, Dear Brother, the cadence and the melody line, you mentioned Love Letters to God, and I couldn't have this conversation today without, I'm going to try and have this chat without gassing you up too much, but I think yeah. everyone knows that I've got <laughs> mad love for your music. Um, and you got, you got mad gas. <laughs> hey, you got mad gas. Leave me out of it, all right? Uh, <laughs> um, love Letters to God was... Okay, I'm just going to call it. It was the first time I really properly experienced art. Um, And let me explain. Can I just, I'll just take three minutes of their time here to explain what happened. So I love most of your music, but I can say all of it, yeah. Um, And then Love Letters to God came out and somehow the song didn't speak to me. Um, It just didn't resonate. And I love every single song on that album. It was, I don't want to say it was my least favorite song in the album because that, that album, every single song is just pure fire. Um, it's literally a fiery red hot album. Um, but then my mentor at the time, her name was Barbara, um, still is Barbara. Um, she reached out to me and she said, and she sent me this song of yours knowing that I absolutely love your and adore your music. And I wrote back to her and I was like, yeah, look, I love the, I absolutely love the album, but this particular track didn't really connect to me. And she was like, oh, I love this song. This is my favorite song in the album. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, she's been my mentor for quite some time. And then um, she, oh, wow, we're talking about it. Okay, I'll do the, do the whole honors. So she ended up passing away and we knew when her time was coming. And actually prior to passing away, she was pretty much isolated, stayed at home for, you know, 12 months before all this happened and then, you know, her decline um, emerged rapidly. And, wow, I'm telling you this. So at the end there, um, I managed to get her out for one day for a dinner and a concert. And uh, that was you being here in Melbourne. Um, And she came out and we saw Love Letters to God together. Um, And it meant so much to me and it meant so much to her and I remember us just hugging each other as we were just experiencing this moment together listening to music that's where I bought four of these hoodies as we were discussing before that (laughs) um and that will forever be etched in my heart the interesting thing 
coming back to the art piece was after she passed away, I got the download that I need to learn to sing this song in circle. And so I started learning the song to be able to sing. Um, I could only ever really sing. I sung Wash It Away acapella for years, touch wood, um, with my own little spin to it. Um, and then Love Letters to God started singing that. Um, thank you, by the way, <laughs> for your blessings. Um, and so the interesting thing about art particularly was, you know, when she passed away, Prior to her passing, because Hoka is such a great album for young men to listen to and educate themselves on masculine energy and really how integrated it potentially could be, that's what I downloaded from it, amongst many other things. I thought Love Letters to God was, I wonder if she reads them or if they get lost in the stars, these love letters. And I thought you were taking the time to educate me um, that God could be feminine, bro, just chill the fuck out. It's not, you know, this pearly whitey beardy guy in the sky could be but could also be a goddess and that made total sense totally fit the theme yeah and that was the art at the time and then fast forward to her passing away her and then her gifting me that song now through you to however it'll, I don't know how to articulate it properly but now I'm singing it and when I'm singing it now after her passing God is still androgynous actually Love letters to God, I wonder if she reads them or if they get lost. I'm just pinging those letters to her, my mentor, and God is still androgynous. Mm -hmm. And therein lied this visceral, ah, Nako just taught me about art. And again, trying not to gas you up, but because it's that what left me was a good piece of art and good is subjective, but nonetheless, this is my realisation, so I'm just going to own it. A good piece of art, the same person doesn't step in the same river twice. Yeah, and when you come back to it, it'll just teach you something new every time you come back to it. And that's when I started looking at painting very differently. Before that, it was just like, hey, this is just beautiful colours, great image, I dig it. Um, and now I look at it as in like, oh, I can meet myself differently in this painting or in this art every time I approach it and I find different parts of myself and I started to fucking understand art on a whole different level. Feels right to thank you <laughs> at this juncture. Um, well, just like yourself in your own world, you know, somebody out there, I'm sure many people out there look at you and they think, thank you for uh, 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 being a, being my catalyst to opening my eyes to further perspective. And that's what art is so good at doing for us. It helps us um, change and uh, reclaim perspective and stay open to different uh, perspectives, you know? And I think that's why uh, it's such a malleable and easily shareable thing music particularly music where i wanted to take this question was feeling into the songs that you've written and then you listening back to your own songs in the future in the past like you know be here now you were reading ram Dass's be here now at the time and then you wrote it and you're listening back there's so much wisdom in the songs does it ever happen and i don't know how to say this without you know, describing that, you know, in the quantum, it's all one big now, the future and the past don't exist, pardon me for being that guy. 
Mm, and then sure. you listening back to your own songs and then going, holy shit, like I needed to hear that now and I wrote that that much time ago and like does that portal ever just flip you the fuck out? Like can you tell me more about that potentially? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I guess a more recent example is have a set that I put together for these last tours uh, that I just, I mean, today's my last show, so I'm wrapping up three months of touring from Europe to the U.S. to Australia. And the set that I've developed and put together uh, includes a lot of the new songs as well as um, a lot of the songs off Dark as Night since it's the 10-year anniversary of that album. And in putting those together, uh, finding pieces of songs off of all the albums and tagging them into the new songs that flow really consistent to the message. Um, so uh, when I'm singing those tagged pieces of those songs, I'm marveling at the how, uh, like you're saying, the um, in different iterations of life, the the song can have what might feel like even deeper meaning. Um, and it's not the song that's changed. Uh, it's you that's changed and you've been able to, uh, ad you've adapted and um, transformed and you can, I have uh, such a deeper appreciation for those words that came together at a very particular time where I felt so, um, uh, well, I felt so uh, uh, moved to the point of writing it, right? And was going through my experiences in writing them, which were powerful and, and hard, and, and, uh, and, the, and thus the art came out of them. But then, you know, different iterations and years later, uh, they take on even uh, what might be described as like new meaning, um, and and that's special, you know. I don't get tired of singing the songs, you know. They just get better with time. Mm. Mm. And arguably, I get better at singing them. So I think that's <laughs> sort of. I think that's sort of half the thing, you know. It's like. The fun thing about music that's been recorded and people have such a hard time accepting this, but it's, it's, uh, it's malleable. You can, you can do so many different things with it, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, I love to strip things back and then build them up and strip them back. And, uh, it's their melodies and words don't fit into a, a strict line, you know? They can, they can, uh, they can be shaped for whatever way you want to deliver them, and uh, accentuated, slowed down, sped up, uh, even changed. You know, depending on the mood, and that's that's half. That's that's some. That's what's so part of what's so fun about 
doing it in the first place is that it doesn't have to stay the same about sunday service on instagram actually is what, is that, <laughs> sorry shameless plug i had to go there <laughs> no yeah i mean that's literally doing sunday service is what helped me build my set for this year's tour to be able to rem- like you know even tag stuff you know like instead of doing full songs and like them doing full songs and tagging little things and yeah it's cool all right, you're here in Australia, and my favorite song. <laughs> Can I say that? Oh, fuck, I'm going to try. Yeah. No, it is, it? it is. It is. Wash it away, bro. It's Aussie. Red, red hands, red lands, red worship, bro. How can I, like, how, how, do, you, how do you walk past that when you, you're born here, conceived at all, touch wood? Yeah. Um, yeah, bro. So I just want to learn more about the song because it's my favorite song. Sure. Um, yeah, let's go. What a um, couple of questions I had was obviously it's rooted in Australia. And if it's not, then what the fuck? Um, so I know it is. Um, you're currently here in Australia touring. So it feels very appropriate to ask about it. That was me trying to build in some segue. Um, but really, bro, yeah, your relationship with Australia, I'd love to find out a little bit more about just, you know, and you don't have to gas us up. Yeah, just whatever you feel about Australia would be dope. But also bring me into you writing the song and the inspiration behind the song. Um, yeah. What sure. It's you to uh, this wash it away became, yeah, it is an epic song. Thank you. It's like, it tells such a big story of my first oh. trip coming out. My dreams here you were and, an Aboriginal yeah. And I actually had a dream. Generation. And, Fuck me, man. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, man. dude. Now you're good. Uh, there's, I mean, there's the way that I painted the verses to some, it might, it's hard to maybe like land, but those all actually happened to me. Like everything that I wrote about was real. Um, and when I first came here, I had, um, I had been uh, on my first international trip was in 2012 to Indonesia and I played Bali Spirit Festival and I met Kate Little and Melissa Gibson in Indonesia and Kate Little uh, uh, then invited me the next year early 2013 to um, Byron Spirit Festival. And from there, Melissa Gibson became my tour manager. And so we worked together for over 10 years. And um, uh, when we came out for Spirit Festival in Byron in 2013, in January, I think it was, um, I'd never been here before. And we were on when we were on the plane, we we're about to land, uh, and I, I was, I fell asleep and I had a dream that the plane had to make an emergency landing. And we landed in, in these like rolling hills on this middle of this highway, uh, which later that day I would find out looked exactly like Mullumbimby. And we landed in the middle of the road. And it was funny cause you know how dreams are the, the plane had one of those spaceship like walk down ramps. And so <laughs> We all right. like wandered out of the plane. Have landed in Malambimi. It's the sacred valley of Australia. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So we like all walked out, and we we're all kind of like looking around and being like, "Oh, what are we doing here? Why did we land on this like highway?" And these two motorcycles were driving towards us, and we were like, "Oh, we'll flag them down. We'll get some information." For some reason, we weren't talking to the pilots or anything like that. We didn't know what was going on. And these motorcycles just drove right through us, like we were luminescent, like we were ghosts. And we were fucking tripping. We were like, oh, shit, are we in a dimension, a portal or something? 
this is crazy. Like, are we even here? So we walked back up on the plane and I woke up and we were landing just then, actually landing. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we drove out to Mullum and I was like, damn, these look exactly like the dream I had. And then that night we were at, we were at some, our accommodation and we were with Kate and this, uh, this huge fucking bug landed on the table while we were talking and it was a black prince cicada. And she was like, she's a very mystical person. And she was like, Oh, this is the sign. And, you know, she pulled the animal spirit card deck out or whatever and read us like what the black prince cicada was about. And I felt very akin to it because it was like a small creature with a loud voice, which is what ended up being in the song. And it wasn't long after that, that I met Xavier Rudd, uh, Uncle Mana, and he um, so Xavier Rudd is little... Uncle Mana, sorry, just clarifying. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he took us and had a little ceremony with us. And, you know, the whole thing was just very, like, uh, uh, um, a deep experience, kind of like a big brother, you know, taking us under his wing and seeing that we were a bunch of wild and reckless kids and, you know, that we had some magic going on. And, um, and you know, we, we burned the blue ground for a safe passageway. Um, and just that whole first verse is really about that first experience, you know, um, arriving into into the dreamland and into the dreaming and then like uh, meeting Zave and like spending some time in the bush with him in that way. And like the second verse is all about, um, uh, not all about, but the beginning part was about the dream I had. And um, if you're familiar with the band Hiatus Coyote. Mm. No, yeah, Melbourne based. Uh Nay, the lead singer, dear friend, uh she um was she was the person I was talking about in that dream and she had turned into this Aboriginal man in my dream. Uh and um the Bird Nation reference is about she has a tattoo on her face where her she had um she she was an orphan like myself and so we had that connection and like um she uh she had a had um rescued this like crow and uh this is why i say the murder uh in that lyric um murder that day and uh it had it had scratched her chin and so she had tattooed it onto her face to remember the bird and then it was that same month that I got tattooed by my buddy up in Byron Lolo. And he tattooed my head and my face. And there was a Bird Nation reference on the wings and there's birds on my head. And so there was this correlation of like the Bird Nation and like the all the powerful birds here in Australia. And um, um, that part was in there. And then uh, um, what else is there? Some, oh, and then like... Uh, uh, the last verse. Oh wait, wait, sorry, was, sorry, sorry. Before you get to the last yeah. verse, ego mm. death in the second verse. Today's a good day for my ego to die. Yeah, well, so there's like a. Yeah, there's a um. There's this old like sort of metaphor in indigenous culture, in my country, of you know, uh, pulling your feathers out, and starting over you know and like 
because uh, the eagle does that right it has to in order to live on it has to rebirth itself and redo its plumage and everything right? it does like a yeah it does like a uh, i don't want to say it does it it does this whole thing i'm not i can't remember exactly what it does but it does do something crazy like that and like once it's doing it does that whole thing it goes through this rite of passage on its own and shit you know as a young eagle and like <laughs> and uh I was really invested in that, and this was right right before we put Hoka out, you know. So I was really, I was really into the, the story of uh, Crazy Horse, and I was really into the Lakota stories and the Lakota language. And um, um, I had a bunch of elders that were really close to me, um, so a lot of that was like coming from that place, you know. Um, and actually, I had just come from Indonesia. And I'd had just come from this pretty intense acid trip that I took like in the fucking jungle up there and like uh, where I would put my hands in the water in this river and it looked like there was blood coming out of my hands. And I was, I knew I was tripping. So I was just like, well, this is crazy, dude. And as I was looking at the water, washing it away in the bamboo, as the wind was blowing, these kids were like in the bamboo, these little African kids or they were black kids and they were like swinging with the trees. It sounds kind of creepy, but it was fucking rad. And they were like swinging the trees and they were like, wash away, wash away, wash away. And I'm like with the water and it looks like blood. And I'm just like, dude, this is fucking crazy, bro. Like, <laughs> where some people might be thinking like they're having a bad trip. I was just like in the trip. And I was like, okay, 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 wash away. Okay, okay, I got it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that's sort of how the beginning of that song started actually was because i was about to head to australia and i was i had these crazy like visions in this acid trip and like and uh and that sort of idea was running through my head as i was coming to australia it was like wash away it'll wash away it'll wash away um uh holy holy grandmother we sing washes get clean of our pain and suffering um and so I carried that tune into my first trip to Australia, but uh, I was also, you know, yearning for a lover, a beloved of mine at the time. And uh, we were going through, you know, not like a typical breakup, but it was sort of like we kind of knew that it was happening. And uh, and so that last verse is my favorite part of the whole song. Um, teach me to love you in a different way. Yeah, same um, cut, same yeah. cut, same crazy. Yeah, uh, it was like one of those songs where every time I repeated a line in typical songwriting, you know, you wouldn't repeat it twice. You know, you said it once, you're done. But uh, there, there was something about putting the flagpole on the ground, if you will, by saying it twice. And um, yeah, uh, and then the last part of that whole verse uh, is still such a potent line, I feel. And um, I've closed my sets with that sometimes more recently, but just the part about uh, um, be a man among men, you know, or be a woman among women, be a be a guardian, be my friend, you know. And I love that; it still hits me so hard today, and it's such a true statement. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that song um, really uh, did some damage. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, interestingly and interestingly enough, I was recently trying to find the music video that we put out of it, and I couldn't find it. And uh, 
we had done this whole like four part, five part, six part. I can't remember any parts. It was documentary. We called it the Nago Daco and it's on our YouTube channel. And each part, it started in Hawaii and then it went to Australia and I was interviewing people along the way and like uh, Aboriginals and like activists and like musician friends and local people just getting a sense of like who I thought was important in Australia and like people that I knew and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and then it ended with this sort of like release of the music video for wash it away. And somehow it was like not online anymore. And as I was looking for it recently and I wrote to the guy that had put it together and he was like, Oh, it's actually, it's unlisted right now. It hasn't even been out. And I haven't resolved the issue yet, but I'm thinking of, uh, It'll be 10 years anniversary in 2025. Oh, so right. instead of like just drop it in next year, I may wait. just uh, wait. wait a couple yeah. years and please wait. <laughs> do a 10 year anniversary, throw some new merch together and just like re-celebrate the song, put an acoustic version out or something, you know, it'd be cool. Epic. Epic. Yeah. You've met some, um, thank you so much for doing that with me, by the way. Um, You've met some really interesting people. I did watch, watch, I did watch, I did watch, I watched your Wash It Away doco series stuff. Um, and you've met some, man, and then that started to really precipitate as you were meeting these Indigenous elders and like the travels and your music and the way that it's wired and geared and just the number of elders and the different cultures that these elders reside, preside from. I was like, man. Narco must have met some really interesting people through his travels that his music has opened certain doors up to. And I can ask you about, you know, who was interesting and, you know, we could be here all day. And that's not to sound disrespectful. The key thing I wanted to take away in today's podcast, though, was the universality that potentially you discovered amongst having met so many interesting people from so many deep traditions that potentially, you know, don't have as such an empowered voice in a capitalistic world, um, but still have their, like they're still there, you know, finding finding their way amongst it all in the noise. Um, what are some of the universal pieces that you found amongst those cultures and those elders? Um, yeah. Uh, just, I suppose, mm, I mean, just how similar everybody is, really. You know, it's always the same struggle to protect your homelands. It's the same struggle to protect your food source and your water. It's the same struggle to have a voice, um, maintain and protect your traditions, um, your practices, uh, to protect your young people and um, uh uh, raise ha have like have a community to even raise them in um, to uh, you know deal with the hardships of assimilation and genocide to deal with the hardships of you know the the uh, uh, the result I suppose in terms of like alcoholism and drug use and suicide and um, missing and murdered indigenous women as well. And so it's sort of the same story everywhere you go, really, you know, no matter if we're talking about the Middle East or we're talking about, you know, Aboriginal uh, Australia or Indigenous uh, America, Native Americans and 
First Nations peoples, and uh, it's the same everywhere. And with that, you know, I think that I've found the similarities on many of the very human levels of um, uh, non-First Nations peoples, the same struggle everywhere, you know, uh, uh, just to have resources, tools, and support um, to survive, you know. So when you know those kind of basics, it's like you, it, it's, it, there's not a fear of normalization because it's sort of like, everyone's pain is everyone's pain, you know, and, and, and you, you can relate to it, uh, because it's so familiar. Um, and it doesn't make it any less painful or, uh, hard to hear the stories or like feel the similarities it brings up your own trauma and your own struggles and hurts. But, uh, yeah, I guess like there's, such a similar similarity in the on the human level of these people that I've met and um and and yet there's the, on the on the other on another flip side of it just also the the um strength resilience um mana joy magic hysteria like the laughter jokes like you know no matter what they've been through a lot of these fools like are so fucking funny, you know, and just can find the laughter and the hardships. And I think that's like one of my favorite things about some, a lot of the people that I met along the way is how much of uh, how much they've been through, but how um, how much uh, of the joy that they brought into their worlds, you know, to survive, you know. And yeah, yeah. Thank you for speaking on that, bro. That's profound. Um, yeah, just the recognition that actually, as much as suffering sucks, it does actually somehow bind us together as well. It's kind of powerful poetry. Mm. Yeah. There are so many more questions I want to ask you. I'm so conscious of the time we have left. <laughs> I will wrap it up by saying um, there's some idiosyncrasies that you've left behind in my world. I call everybody Brother Bear and Sister Bear. <laughs> it just feels nice and cuddly. Um, yeah. And I'm conscious that the first place I found a bear was Nago Bear. <laughs> it's a hangover from <laughs> from all that yummy goodness. <laughs> so like the uh, the sandwich had peanut butter and jam and marshmallow and honey on it. So yeah, bro. I um I can totally thank you for today's conversation, and I will and thank you. But seriously, there's yeah so much more in there. Like yeah, just the just the countless hours I've spent literally, you know, they say where the average, they used to say where the average of the five people we spend our time with. And now they're starting to say where the five people we spend, you know, even parasocial relationships with, and those parasocial relationships are, you know, people we're spending our time with online. And, um, yeah, those tuning into the boss cast, touch wood, you're spending it with me and I'm completely honored and flattered. And but man, honestly, like the amount of hours I've spent listening, singing, playing music, 
yeah, you know, you started with, have we met? <laughs> like, fucking yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't you, yeah. Don't you, you know? Um, yeah, so I just, man, thank you so much for for you, for showing up today, doing this with us. But also, man, like your life's journey has been up, down, all around, especially of late as well. You know, it's been a lot going on in your world. And I just, yeah, just really wanted to take a moment to just thank you for you doing you, being you, and just, yeah, showing up the way that you do, brother bear. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for your time as well. And great questions, great conversation. And I look forward to meeting you in the flesh someday. And uh, shoots, bro. Keep on doing you, baby. Yeah, there was a piece I was also thank. Yeah, the love letters to God thing. I'm so glad we talked about that, bro. The art piece, like, Hell yeah. it was a game changer for me. There was also, mm. I wanted to share this with you, and I'll just share it with you now quickly. Um, I'm not going to be able to say it. I call it Tuz Pies because I'm Aussie. <laughs> it's like, it's Tupier. It's like your feet. How the fuck do you say well, that? Well, if, if you think about it, if you think about it, like the I's are E's, the E's are A's, the A's oh, are you've already lost me. The E's are fucking <laughs> Stop thinking about it. Just tell, give it so, to me. Tuz Pies. <laughs> tuz Pies. Yeah, tuz because pies. the I's an E and the E is an A. Oh, yes. Yes. Pies. And the E's name. Pies. Pies. Ah, Pies. Got it. Pies. Pies. That's beautiful, man. That was um. That's actually a reference to uh, a legendary Chilean poet named Pablo Neruda. He has a poem named called Tus Pies, and in the poem he says, "I love your feet for how they found me, for they traveled across the mountains, the rivers, and the valleys to find me." Um, so it's a, it's a bite from him and I built a whole song on it. Right. You smashed me out of the park, proposed to my wife to that song. Um, yeah, you're everywhere in my life, bro. I, um, I had this vision before, and this is what I was going to share with you before I've been, and I, this is what I said prior, like this podcast is six years in the making. When I first set out the podcast, not to again, gas you up, my, my, dream guest was yourself i was like everything i need to construct around here energetically super easy like i can just picture like what do i need to create to get narco on board um the logo the branding the colors the this the that and i was just like this is super easy (laughs) and um my intention at the time was because i was getting ready to propose to my wife was have you been to netherlands amsterdam vondel park yeah, so I wanted to propose to her in Vondel Park. It's like this p- park in the middle of Amsterdam where everyone's just cycling through unicycles. They're all tripping, LSD, mushrooms. We is Amsterdam, yeah. And um, my dream was I was walking along with my wife and there's you playing two pays, um, literally behind a tree and I walk past you and then I'm like, oh, my God, that's Narco just singing in Vondel Park. And then she's like, oh, my God, it is, and we just stopped. And we look up in the sky and it says, will you marry me? And I was like, I'm going to get down on me. I'm going to ask Narco if this is possible. I'm going to pay for him to get to the Netherlands. <laughs> I'm going to make this happen. And then um, I kept trying to sync podcasts and I just never never got around to it. And then eventually I had to, I've now got a two-year-old. So I had to propose to her another way. Um, but it's interesting because the other way we proposed, we were actually going to end up proposing to her singing um, Love is My Religion. Love is my religion. Love is my religion. And I was going to be like, hey, my love, my religion, will you marry me? That was my line, yeah? And then this whole thing happened in circle where I lost a moment and I was like, what the fuck? And I can tell you more about it. But anyway, we lost the moment and then I was like, shit. 
that was meant to be my moment. The ring's burning a hole in my pocket. And I was like, fuck, was, I can't propose. And I was like, ah, I just want to propose. And the person holding the space was like, no, 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 now's my time. I was like, what the fuck? I've been waiting for like years to this moment. Like, Anyway, so we got my moment again. And then I recognized, I was like, oh, I remember that dream. Like you had the vision of Narco playing in Londra Park. What was he singing? Guys, And I was like, okay, you learn to play and sing that song now. I was like, all right, cool. I'll go along the journey and learn to play it and sang it and then sang it to her myself and yeah, proposed to that song. I love this song. That's so cute. Walked upon four wings. Um, be my dear, I'll be your meadow. Come graze upon bare skin. So much sacrifice mm-hmm. and beauty in that man, especially for your man. Hell yeah. Fuck, such a win. So thank you, bro. Yeah. Oh man, I love that story. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What's next for you? What's coming up? Just Australia for the next little bit and then back home. Yeah, man. Today's the last show and then uh, going home on Saturday. Uh, I've got a New Year's Eve show in New York with some buddies. But uh, other than that, just uh, all the decompression and domestic affairs. Yeah, cool. Cool. How has it been being a dad, man? Like, yeah. Oh, man, you're looking at it. daughter as well. Yeah. You're looking at it. Yeah, it's great. Children are the, the best thing to happen to us. I can picture you just like me, man. Like I love being a kid with my kid. It's just so much fucking fun. Like it is actually the 100%. responsibility bit is fucking like it wears you. <laughs> but the um, the kid bit was like I get to spend an hour hours of day pretending I'm a dinosaur. Like this is fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I had this um this random thing drop in where they said um apparently if you've got if you become the father of a son you know what it's like to die for someone and I totally remember feeling like that um, and they say if you become the father of a, of a daughter you know what it's like to kill for someone <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution Without you, the Inspired Evolution Tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.